0: Did everyone bring their notebooks? (laughs) There you go. I did it. Okay. Praise God. Uh, God is good. Amen. Amen. So who brought a real Bible? Can you raise it up if you have a real Bible, not an electronic one? That's what I'm talking about. That's awesome. Okay. Um... Let's do this before we get started. Josh, if you could already put the video up on the screen. And uh, we're going to talk about a very uh, interesting topic today. Get the sound ready, get it ready to go, and I'll, you can already turn the lights off. Um, This is a video by uh, David Platt. It's short, it's just less than four minutes long, and I want us to watch this because this is going to be kind of what we're talking about today.
1: So I've got this friend, I'll call him John. John's first exposure to the whole concept of hell was when he was watching a Tom and Jerry cartoon when he was younger. And what was intended to be this humorous cartoon all of a sudden turned into this hellacious nightmare when Tom did something bad to Jerry and was thrown into hell as a result. And later, John was at his church and he was talking with an older man about what he'd seen. And the older man looked at John and said, John, you don't want to go to hell, do you? John said, no. So the man looked back at him and said, Okay, pray this prayer after me. Dear Jesus. John kind of paused. There was some awkward silence. and Then he realized he was supposed to say exactly what the man had said. So he said, Dear Jesus. Then the man continued. I know that I'm a sinner, and I believe that Jesus died for my sins. And I ask you to come into my heart and save me. And then when they were finished, the man looked at John and said, Son, now you can know that you are saved from your sins and you don't ever have to worry about hell again. Is that true? Is this really what it means to become a disciple of Jesus? Is this really what it means to follow him? You look back at the first disciples in the Bible, and when Jesus came up to them and said, Follow me, that was not an invitation to pray a prayer. That was a summons for these men to lose their lives. Somewhere along the way, 2,000 years later, amid varying cultural tides and popular church trends, we have virtually missed that call. With good intentions, with sincere desires to reach as many people as possible for Jesus, we've taken challenging words from Christ and turned them into trite phrases in the church. And in the process, we've drained the lifeblood out of Christianity and replaced it with a watered-down version of the Gospel that is so palatable, it's not even real anymore. And the consequences are catastrophic. Scores of men, women, and children culturally identify themselves as Christians today who biblically are not followers of Christ. Is that possible? Absolutely it is. In fact, according to Jesus, it's probable. He said at the end of his most famous sermon, Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and perform many miracles? And I will tell them, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. Those are some of the most frightening words in all of the Bible. As a pastor, I stay awake some nights haunted by the thought that many people, many people who are sitting in church on Sunday will be shocked to stand before Jesus one day and hear him say to them, I never knew you. Away from me. We desperately need to take a look at our lives and our churches and ask the question, are we really biblically, personally following Jesus? Eternity is dependent on how we answer that question.
0: Amen. Uh, no, I really, uh, I like this video. When I, I don't even know how I came across it today. It just kind of happened. Just God kind of a <laughs> orchestrated everything. But um, it's very interesting. I thought it was interesting the part that he said where he's like, uh, Christians have done this with kind of like a sincere heart, kind of like they're trying to serve God. They're trying to reach people. They're they're trying to be Christians, but they're doing it their own way. And uh, that's not the way that God intended for it to be. And uh, the title of uh, uh, tonight's message is, is, it's a question. It's, is Jesus Lord over your life? And um, today, I'm uh, just going to ask three simple questions. Uh, we're going to answer these questions. We're going to talk about them a little bit, and then we'll pray in the end. And um, so, the first point or the first question is, uh, what is your image of God? Now, you've heard us this preach from this uh, pulpit many times that uh, your image of God can be dependent, de- dependent on what's preached up here. You know, we constantly tell you to read your Bibles. We constantly teach to pray and to seek God yourself so that you yourself have an image of God and who He really is. You can't depend on, on pastor. You can't depend on the preachers to, to show you who God really is. You have to dig in yourself and you have to find out yourself of who God really is. And uh, when, when we think about God, what, what characteristics come to our mind? Just begin to ask yourself, like how do you picture God? How do you imagine God? you know who is God to you I don't know lately for me, when I think of God I think of 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 the place in revelations where 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 Jesus has a sword coming out of his mouth and his eyes are burning with fire and i don't know that's the picture of God that I see for the past few months you know i don't i don't see God, uh, running in, you know, on like, you know, fields full of lilies and and prancing and, you know, where's my bride? Where's my bride? I don't see God like that lately. You know, I'm seeing a God who's, uh, who's holy. I see a God who's righteous. I see a God who's not gonna water his own word down to save somebody, as harsh as that sounds. I see a God who, who came to this earth clearly showed a path and expects people to go down this path if they want to be saved. That's the kind of God that I see. And, and uh, it, seems, it seems like in, uh, lately in Christianity, the image of God has been twisted in a way where God is um, chasing after people. That's what it seems like. If we can turn to Matthew chapter 19. Now now that we all have real Bibles, hopefully we'll hear pages flipping like, like they did in the good old days, instead of fingers tapping on glass. Um, so this is a story we've all heard, all heard many times, and uh, see Matthew chapter 19, from verses 16 down to 22. It says, "Now behold, one came and said to him, "Good teacher." What good thing shall I do that I may have eternal life? So he said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good but one that is God. But if you want to enter into life, keep the commandments. He said to him, Which ones? And Jesus replied, You shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness, honor your father and mother, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. The young man said to him, All these things I have kept from my youth, what do I still lack? Jesus said to him, if you want to go be perfect, go sell what you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and come follow me. But when the young man heard that saying, he went away sorrowful for he had great possessions. And after Jesus heard this, he ran after the young men and began to change his mind and say, I messed up, young man. You can keep all your treasures, and you can still follow me. Is that what your Bible says? Okay, mine doesn't say that either. After that, it says, Then Jesus said to his disciples, Assuredly, I say to you that it is hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. So it's interesting, because we we hear in churches nowadays that that, um, God loves us so much, and he... It's almost like he's desperate for us. It's almost like he he just wants us more than anything, and and, and he's willing to just do everything. In fact, he's willing to give up his own son because he loves us so much. And to an extent, that's true, because he's already done that. But the interesting thing is the way Jesus reacts here. Is when the young man turns away, Jesus doesn't chase after him. And doesn't run after him. Jesus goes on and begins to teach his disciples that it's hard for a rich person to enter the kingdom of heaven. And then we never hear of that young man again. You know, what if that young man right there would have laid everything down like all the other disciples? We read about... um, We read about Peter and Andrew. And when Jesus said, you know, come follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. And it says right there and then they dropped everything right there. They didn't take a week to think about it. They didn't didn't need, you know, God, I need to think about this overnight. I'll get back to you in the morning. No, they dropped everything right away. Now, what if this young man would have done the same thing? We would have probably known what his name was instead of just the rich young ruler. You know, we would have known what his name was. Maybe he would have written one of the books in the, in the New Testament. Maybe we would have heard about how he did great things somewhere in, 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 in India after Jesus was, was resurrected. Maybe we would have heard about how he went down to Africa and started doing all these amazing things and then, and then, and then died a great death. And, and we would have been looking at this guy like a hero now. But he turns away and Jesus lets him go. That doesn't match up with the image of God that so often we, we imagine in our minds. It doesn't fit something. It, it's like two contradicting things. No, we hear how God wants us to prosper. We hear how God wants us to have a, a good job, how God wants us to bless others. We, we pull uh, random verses out of Proverbs where it says, if you bless others, then God will abundantly bless you. And we pull out all these verses, but it doesn't match up with jesus's reaction here and uh you know how do we see god how do we imagine god because nowhere in the bible does it say does it say that that desperate is one of his attributes nowhere does it say does it say that 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 he loves us so much that he'll just throw his own word onto different planet and 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 say you know what it's okay just follow me i'll love you anyways doesn't say that anywhere and and because our minds they're so twisted they're so tricky sometimes like the pastor was preaching on sunday it's like adam wanted to become like god and eating that fruit he became like god in a way he began to make his own decisions and that's what we want to do today we hear so much about uh democracy we live in a democratic country You know, the the more and more I look at it, it seems like democracy is just like a demonic ploy to destroy nations. And when you look at God and how he has set set his own kingdom, and then how he set the kingdom of Israel pretty much, there's no democracy anywhere. It's always monarchy. There's always a king who's over the land. You know, and when the king is good, the whole land is blessed. When a king is seeking God, all of Israel is good. You know, and and we look at it and we live in this country that's twisting everything up for us. And the problem is we start to bring that into the church. You know, it's one thing that that's happening in the world. You know, even, even Paul says it's not our place to judge what happens in the world. It's our place to judge what's happening in the church. You know, the problem is when we start bringing our own opinions into church. The problem is when when pastor's preaching and everything he's saying goes along with the word of God, but... Well, I don't see it that way. Well, I think that, you know, in in this particular situation it doesn't apply anymore. It doesn't doesn't work. The Bible's too outdated. It doesn't specifically say don't get tattoos. Or it kind of does, but it kind of doesn't, but you know, it's kind of like a wishy-washy point. So so you know, and it the Bible doesn't exactly say, you know, don't smoke marijuana. So, you know, it's it you know, and we like to do this. We like to, to justify everything that we do instead of reading God's Word and just accepting it the way that it is. You know, we're, we're always going to disagree with God. I, I still disagree with God's Word when I read it. But what do you do when you disagree with it? Do you start praying, God, I don't, I don't get it. It's too, my mind is too closed off for this. Please just open it up. Do whatever you want. Help me to understand your Word the way you want it to be. Or do we just start saying, well... This place in Scripture doesn't apply to my life. And I just, you know, I'm, I'm okay with that. And, you know, what do we do in those situations? How do we see God? Do we think that, that He cares about us so much that, that no matter what we do, we're not going to end up like those people that Jesus says, you know, get away from me, I never knew you? Or because or, this whole week I've, I'm like driving from work and I'm thinking, how do I know I'm not going to be that person who comes before Jesus and 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 here's those words. How do I know? What's my guarantee? How do I know? Is there anybody who can guarantee that? Yes, at the end of my life, I won't. I will not hear those words. Can anybody guarantee that? That means that we have to do something. We have to we have to apply something so that at the end of our lives, we're not standing there before God and well, God, I. Played guitar every Friday and you know sometimes on Sundays and 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 I helped at kids church and it says it says that these people coming up to Jesus were driving out demons and healing people. Where is driving out demons and healing healing people and then like you know serving at at kids camp or or you know being on stage on the worship team or being an usher? You know how do you even compare those two things? You know and a lot of times we think where it's like well my schedule is so busy that I make time to be there for an hour and a half on Thursday, and that's my way of showing God that I love Him. You know, it sounds ridiculous coming out of somebody's m- mouth, but that's what we do a lot of times in our minds. We think, well, um, I, you know, I'm busy, I have to work, I have to go to school, I have to do homework, I have to do all this stuff, I have to help my parents, I have to clean up around the house, I have to clean my room. And, you know, and I make time to come to church on Sunday morning. You know, but reading about Jesus and reading about God, it's, I don't think he really cares about that. (laughs) In all honesty, I think more than that, he cares about our hearts. I think more, more than that, he cares about what attitude do we have when we do all these things. You know, how do we actually treat ministry? Do we treat it like, oh, I have to play again this week. Oh, I have to come to youth again this Friday. Oh, I have to do something again. Or is it like, wow, I have a privilege to live another week and to serve God for another week until he calls me to do something else in my, in my life, something greater than what I'm doing now. You know, what's, how do we look at ministry? How do we look at church? Is it like, oh, I wish we had youth on a different night. I would be able to do something fun on Friday night. Or, hey, let's go on vacation. Wow, every single time we leave on vacation on Fridays. What a weird coincidence. You know, it's... How do we look at ministry? How do we look at what, the things that God called us to do? You know, and we start getting, you know, slick about it when when we get jobs, when, when we have these things. We start getting slick about it. We start thinking that, well, I have to work. Like, we think that's a valid excuse. And, you know, and, and, and I'll tell you this, if you're... If you're married and 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 you're living paycheck to paycheck, and you have to work and maybe and maybe miss guys for strength, that that's fine. We can understand that. If you're if you're a single teenager, you live with your parents. You don't pay for anything except gas and insurance, which most of the time your parents pay for you anyways. And you just want to get a new iPad or a new iPhone or a new computer or a new dress or a new pair of shoes or or whatever, and you're working towards that, how is that a valid excuse for, for missing out on the kingdom of God? You know, it's like, let's start looking at Christianity the way it's supposed to be. Because the way it used to be was, hey, I want to be a Christian. I want to be like Jesus. Now it's kind of like, hey, I want to be a Christian so that, and then, you know, let's figure out how much I can do and still not go to hell. You know, let's make Christianity what it's supposed to be. You know, let's make it what it was when 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 Jesus was on the earth and then after he died with the first church. Let's let's make it what it was. Well, say, I'll I'll leave everything right now if God tells me to. I'm I'm ready. You know, I'm a, I'm starting to do these these side jobs. I'm starting to make websites. I'm starting to make videos and it's it's a good extra source of income. Now for for my family that that's nice to have in these times, but I'm already driving home yesterday and i'm thinking i'm like if they ever ask me to work on a friday night i don't care if i lose these clients i'm saying no i don't care if they offer me a million dollars i will say no i've already made that decision because it's it's a it's a small decision yes and and you're thinking well if you use if you miss youth one time you know you're not going to go to hell for that no you won't but when you miss youth one time for that you're going to do it the next time and you're going to do it the next time and then you're going to miss church one time and it'll start taking over your life because that's how satan works Read the Bible. That's how he always works. It starts with a little decision somewhere. And somewhere along the line, you choose not to be strong. You choose to take the easy road, and that's all he needs. It's like you leave a little crack in the, in the door, and then he shoves his hand in there, and eventually starts pulling all of himself into your life. We've seen it happen with so many young people. We see it happening before our eyes with some of you. Let's just be real. We see it happening. You know, look look, look at your friends who are not here right now. Why are they not here? Do they have a valid excuse for not being here? And then a second question comes up, which is, why are they your friends in the first place? But we'll get to that later. You know, start, start asking yourself these things. Start challenging yourself. Start being, you know, I, I, I don't want to hear those words when I die. What do I need to do to not hear those words? It's uh, James chapter 1. I was listening to a, a Francis Chan sermon this morning, and he, brought, and he was talking about um, Job, and he, and he read this place in Scripture. And I'm like, what does James have to do with Job? And I'm like, man, this is an amazing place in Scripture. See, James chapter 1. See, in the Russian Bible, James is right. James is in the beginning. In the English Bibles it's towards the end. So James chapter 1. In verse 2, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete and lacking nothing. Says, verse 2, Count it all joy when you fall into various trials. How can we don't picture a God like that who... Who who expects us to to be joyful when we when we go through trials, when we go through 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 difficult times. It says, be joyful in those times. Who is joyful when a family member dies? Who is joyful when when they lose their job? Place in Scripture says, be joyful when you go through trials. Why? Because the testing of your faith produces patience. Let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Pretty much just saying the reason you go through trials is so that they can help you to be perfect, which is the way that God designed it to be. So it's like, yeah, you you have emotions and you're sad when those things happen in your life, but somewhere in the back of your mind, you're like, I know my Redeemer lives, just like Job said. Because you know somewhere in the long run what you're going through today will help you to stay strong in the future. And it'll help you to stay faithful to God when those difficult moments begin to rise up. When you're faced with a choice, where should I take this job or should I not take this job? Should I go to this college or should I go to this college? Or should I just not go to college and go to New York, go to Yogi Bear? Or should I just stay here and just commit my life to ministry here or or whatever? You know... Start thinking about those types of things instead of, well, after I graduate high school, I have to go to college. And then after I go to college, I have to spend the next 20 years paying off my college loan that I just took on. And then for the next 20 years, I won't be able to be in ministry because I'm paying off this college loan. Start thinking about these things. You know, if God's calling you to go, he'll, he'll provide for you. He'll bless you. You'll get scholarships. You'll get all those things. You'll, he'll provide for you. And you'll still be in ministry. And you'll still magically be able to find time for everything. For your homework, for your family, for everything. But when you try to do it yourself, don't expect anything. Because right here in the same chapter, in verse 7, it says, For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. And what kind of man is he talking about? Says so the the guy that doubts, the guy who lacks wisdom, the guy who chooses pretty much not to... Be joyful when God's doing things in his life. The guy, the guy who decides that, you know what, I know better than God. I, I'm going to build my life my own way. It says, let that man not expect anything from God. And that's what happens. We, we live our own life. We live by our own rules. We do what we want to do. And then we show up to church on Friday and, Saturday and Sundays and, and whenever. And we pray and we think we're seeking God. And we're like, yes, God is good. God's going to do all these amazing things. And then we go back to live and we expect God to do something in our lives. He's not going to do anything in your life. He's not going to move. You're not going to see a fire of God. You're not going to be free from the sins that you're struggling with. You're not going to be, you know, chains aren't going to be broken in your life. Your family's not going to be saved. You're not going to preach to the people that you go to school with. Nothing is going to happen because you just fall into that category of Christians that are hypocrites. And people look at you and they're like, well, you're not any better than me. You you just lied. You just did this. You just did this. You're you're chasing the same career I'm chasing, except you're just wasting your Friday nights and, 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 and Sunday nights, you know, going to church for some weird reason. And... When we think about God, how, how does he look at, at us coming here on Friday night or, or Sunday, Sunday or Sundays and then, you know, living our life the way it is? How does God look at that? I could open up that place in Revelations where it says, I'll spit you out of your mouth, but everyone should know that place by now. You know, that's the God that we serve. That's who he is. That's what he expects from us. Every single one of us. Nobody gets an exception. Jesus didn't get an exception. Jesus had to do it the way God planned for it to be. And it says he humbled himself and he was obedient even to the point of death, even death on a cross. You know, if if Jesus had to do it the way that God designed it to be, are we really thinking that we're greater than Jesus? Are we really thinking that, hey, maybe I can figure out another way up this mountain? That, hey, maybe I can find another way. Like, let's be realistic right now. You know, let's look at our lives and just be completely honest with ourselves. You know, are we serving God the way the disciples did? Because if we're not, we're going to end up like Judas, where we'll be with Jesus right there. We'll see everything that's been happening. All the miracles, all the great things will be there. But inside, you still have your own plans. You still have your own desires. And at one point, you're just going to snap... And you're going to sell Jesus out. Either for 30 pieces of silver or your diploma or a nice paycheck from your boss. You'll sell him out for something. And your whole life, Satan is going to try to find out what your price is. Your whole life, Satan is going to start dangling things in front of you and saying, maybe this is the price. No, this is too low. Well, maybe this is... Because he doesn't care. He knows everything is going to burn up. He knows that a million dollars has no value in reality. He'll give that to you. To get you to fall away from Him. And unless you're a real disciple that's built on God's real word, you won't survive. That's reality. You will not survive. It says, the path is narrow and few are the ones who find it. You know, a lot of times we think that, you know, it's like, it's like a, a water bottle. Like, you know, you just hold it upside down and yeah, you know, the hole is little. But eventually all the liquid gets out. It doesn't work like that with the kingdom of heaven. Kingdom of heaven is narrow. That's it. Either you're on it or you're on the wide path. And if you're on it, get ready for a lot of interesting stuff to happen in your life. And stuff that you won't like, but stuff that will build you and make you stronger. Second question is, uh, why are you a Christian? Why are you a Christian? Why are you here right now? Why do you, why do you carry that title on your back? What uh what are your expectations of of Christianity? Why why are you choosing to be a Christian? Like I said when uh Jesus called the first four disciples, that's in a uh, in 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 Mark chapter 1 and I think in Matthew in chapter 4 it's when he calls the first four disciples you know first he comes up to peter and andrew and he sees them fishing which was their job it says they were fishermen and he says come follow me and i'll make you fishers of men and they leave everything and then he goes down down the street and he sees james and john and he says come follow me and pretty much he tells them the same thing they leave their dad they leave their job and they follow jesus is that the kind of christianity that we're living in today Is that is that the kind of decision that we made to go after Jesus, that you know, God, I I left everything already to to follow you. No, it, ask yourself, is it is that is, is that the kind of Christian that you are, and if that's not the kind of Christian that you are, then ask yourself, why are you a Christian? Because that's the only way that there is. There's no there's no other way. No. In, in Matthew chapter 7, which, which again goes to the, the, the Sermon on the Mount, in, in verse 16, it talks about false prophets and it says, you can always tell people by the fruit that they bear. You know, we hear a lot of times, you know, you can't judge a book by its cover. Well, the Bible tells us you can judge a tree by its fruit. So, you know, it's like, it's like a lot of times you come up to somebody and you're like, hey, why weren't you in church last Sunday? Where were you last Friday night? Well, I had to do this. And you're like, well, I don't think that's a valid reason to not be there. I mean, God was speaking. You missed and Maybe God would have done something in your life. Well, you just don't understand. Don't judge me. And then, well, give me good fruit to judge you by. You know, show good fruit in your life, and then, then I'll be like, you know what? You're, you're solid. You're doing amazing things in, in, in God's kingdom. I, I, I have nothing bad to say to you. You know, but if all, 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 it, all that's falling off of you is bad fruit, rotten fruit, molded fruit, what do you expect? What do, what do you expect to, to happen as, as a result of your life? What do you expect to happen as a result of your ministry? Or or the ministries that you're a part in. What what do you expect? If all that's falling from you is bad fruit, bad fruit, moldy fruit. Because when people eat that bad and moldy fruit that you're throwing down, they get sick. It doesn't fill them up. It taints Christianity in their eyes. It, It it ruins the image of Jesus in their minds. Because you claim to be a Christian but your actions don't don't match up with your words. And, and you don't even need to preach anything. If you call yourself a Christian, that's preaching already. You're already telling the whole world that, hey, I'm a Christian. It's like, oh, you're a Christian. Well, let's find out what kind of Christian you are. And then, and then you keep doing all these messed up things, all these wicked things. People are like, well, all Christians are like this. I knew all Christians were like this. You're, you're, you're all hypocrites. You, all, you, you don't want to let anybody else have any fun and, and, and you guys just do all these weird things And it doesn't even make sense That's what happens Over and over again To our, to our friends, to our families To the people around us, that's what happens And then we're, we're coming here on, on, at, at prayers and we're saying God why aren't you moving in our youth Why aren't you doing anything in my school club Why aren't you, why aren't you doing anything in my, in my work Because you're not doing anything God's not going to force you to do anything. When he created Adam, he gave him free will. And he said, if you want to follow me, don't do this. Just one simple command. You know, how many of those simple commands are we messing up on in our lives? God just says, don't do this. And we're like, well, I think it's fine. I don't think it's that bad. I don't think listening to... Bad music is, is that bad, you know. It's like it's just music. It's not going to do anything to me. No, it's like, a, like I said, the kingdom of God is a kingdom. There's a king, and, and God expects things to be done his way. And that's the only way that's going to work. And Jesus said, I'm the only way. He said, the way, the truth, the life. We, we should know that verse. I'm the only way. There's no other way to God except through me. And, and, and the third and final question is the same one I started out with. Is Jesus Lord over your life? Is he Lord? What does the word Lord mean? You, have you guys ever had a Lord? None of us have ever had a Lord because we live in 2015. If you lived in the 1800s in, in England, you would have a Lord over you. Lord was like a master over you. And it doesn't matter what he says. You have to do it because he's your Lord. You don't have a choice. And, you know, is Jesus Lord over your life? You know, we say, Jesus, you're the King of kings and you're the Lord of lords. What does that mean? You know, when, when, we, when we sing that, I, constantly, I'm telling you, check yourself when you're singing worship songs. What are you actually singing? Listen to the words coming out of your mouth. If you don't mean them, you should just shut your mouth. Because when you're saying, Jesus, you're the King of kings and you're the Lord of lords, what does that mean? Why are you calling him Lord if you're still choosing to do what you want in your life? And then you're calling yourself a Christian, and then you're going out and and, and tainting Christianity. You know, start thinking about your life more seriously. You know, because it's it's those are scary words to hear. Every time I read that place in scripture, it it, it shakes me up. I'm like, God, am I Am I going to hear those words? I don't want to hear those words. I want to hear good and faithful servant. You know, it shakes me up. It, it scares me. That thought scares me that I could go up to heaven, and then Jesus is like, who are you? And I'm like, oh, oof, ouch. I thought I was serving you for those past six years. I was, I was doing all these, all, these, all these things for worship team, and, and in all these kids camps, and, and I was an usher, and what do you mean you don't know me? And Jesus is like, I don't know you. Get out of here, you wicked and lazy servant. It scares me. And, and so why are we calling him Lord if we don't mean it? You know, if we're going to call him Lord, then, then we need to do what he says. What are the things that he said in his Bible? He's, there's a whole list. Matthew 16, 25. It says, deny yourself and take up your cross. Lose your life for his sake to find it. Matthew six nineteen through 21. Don't store your treasures on the earth. But stores your treasure, store your treasures in heaven. In Matthew six thirty three says, "Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be given to you." Matthew seven thirteen through fourteen it says, "Enter through the narrow gates, because the wide gates lead to destruction." John fifteen twelve, "Love each other as I have loved you," which means that you don't love somebody just because, hey, you know, he's my friend. No, Jesus loved us because He's like, I need to show you what real love is, so that you can be saved. I need to rebuke you when you need to be rebuked so that you can be saved. And he says, love others as I have loved you. John 15, 18, if the world hates you, remember it hated me first. We're not even hated by the world a lot of these times. Because our lives are so parallel to the lives of this world. All we have is we have a Christian spin on it. We speak speak Christianese and, and we make it sound cool and, you know... We we whip out words like like revival and and Holy Spirit fire and, but we're still living the same lives as the people out there. How's that any different? How 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 do we expect God to ex- accept that from us? No, when we call Him Lord, we have to understand that God. If I I want you to be Lord, but and I know it's hard. It's it's hard to accept these things. It's it's like every single day. It's like. Take up your cross, take up your cross. It's I don't want to take up my cross. But I need to. Because I want to survive till the end. You know, we just read in uh, in 2 in Chronicles, we read over all these kings again. And it's, and it's like there, there's this huge period in time where all the kings had a great start. They all have an awesome start. We talked about it at Guys for Strength. Every single king, like... Five or six kings in a row, they all have an awesome start. And then they have a horrible finish. I don't want to end up like that. You know, I want to stay faithful to, to the end. And, and, and when I disagree with the Bible, I'm like, God, this is hard for me to understand. What's our first reaction? Was it like, is, is, it, is it, you know, well, God, you're wrong? Or is it, well, maybe I'm wrong? Which reaction do we have? When we read God's word, when we read it and it says, it says, it says, you know, sell all you have and follow me. You know, I'm I'm like, well, I can still go chase my career and, and be a Christian. So you're saying God's wrong. God's saying you don't have to sell everything and follow me. You can keep everything and follow me. You know, which take do we have on on God's word? Is it that we're constantly judging ourselves? And it says in his word, if we judge ourselves, then we're not going to be judged later on when we're standing before God. Or are we constantly saying, well, God, you're wrong. And this place in scripture, you should have actually worded it a different way. I I like it the way the watered down translation of the Bible says. It makes it sound a little bit more pleasing. Or are we accepting it the way that God wrote it and the way that he spoke it in the context that he said it in? You know, these are questions we have to ask ourselves every, ourselves every single day if we want to survive, if we want to make it till the end. You know, we, we always find a way to justify everything. We're best lawyers ever. We'll justify anything. We'll whip out these verses out of the Bible that, that 90% of Christians didn't even know existed in there. And, and, and we'll, we'll build, build a whole theology around the way that we want to live life. We justify everything. You know, I got to have to work on Sundays. Yeah, I'm sure you understand. You know, I have to miss you know youth prayer. I have to miss church or 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 youth or 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 girls for purity or or kids church. I have to, but you know, I have to work, God. I'm sure you understand. You know, I'm I'm, I'm sure you're you're more understanding than than these judgmental Christians that I succeed. I'm sure you're more understanding than that. You know, God, I'm graduating. On Friday. You know, I have to, you know, I graduated on a Friday. Just so you guys, I didn't go to my graduation. I'm still alive. Nobody suffered. The only thing that, that, that kind of hurts deep inside is, you know what? Nobody clapped as they said my name when I was walking down the aisle. You know, that hurts deep down. I'd rather have people clapping when I'm walking down the runway in heaven. That's what's more important to me. God, I have to, I have to go to my uncle's birthday party. I only see him once a year, and coincidentally, his birthday is always on a Friday night. That's just the way it works. I don't, you know, it it sounds silly, but this is the kind of excuses we hear from you guys. That's reality. And listen to how ridiculous it sounds coming out of someone else's mouth. When we, we're saying we're building the kingdom of God here, we're, we're, we're expecting God to move. We want to see a revival in this place, we want to see this, this place filled with young people. Hold on, i got to go work though, instead of pray, because it's more important to earn $8 an hour. You know, let's start putting everything on, on, on God's scales. You know, in, in, in the Old Testament, it always says, don't use dishonest scales. Let's put everything on God's scales, because God is the only one that's holy. He's the only one that's righteous. He's the only one that's truly just. Let's put things on His scale and and, and see how He looks at it. You know, then, then when it's like that, we won't be yawning during church service. We won't be yawning at, at, at youth service. You know, we have weird friends because we think we're somehow helping them to be better Christians. It's like the dumbest excuse I've heard out of everything. I'm sorry. You know, it's like you, you talk to a person and they're like barely like just in there hanging on as a Christian. And they're like, but I'm helping this super wicked guy. I'm like helping him be a good Christian. Really? How do you do that? Well, I go and hang out with him? Really? Yeah. You know, I talk to him because the other people in this youth, they don't, they don't show any love towards him. It's like, really, they don't show any love towards him? So when they sat down with him for hours and prayed for him and helped him to get through his struggles, they didn't love him? No, 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 you guys, they weren't understanding enough. So I'm hanging out with I'm having lunch with him every once in a while. Really, what do you guys talk about? You know, like cars and, and jobs. And, and every once in a while, I'll tell him about how awesome youth is again and, and invite him back. It's like, wow, you are saving his life right now. I've done that. We're, we're guilty of doing that. It's, it's a stupid excuse. And at one point, we have to grow up. At one point, we have to realize that it's not the way God's kingdom works. God's kingdom is, Jesus says, whoever wants to grab on my hand, grab on my hand. Whoever wants to grabs onto his hands. Whoever doesn't want it just misses out. We can't go chasing around after people. When we ourselves are not firm yet. When you're firm, we, we can have a conversation about that. We can figure that out of, of a good way for you to, to, to pull people out of hell. Yeah, when you're firm. When you're wobbling yourself and you're barely hanging in there and we have to keep pulling you, you're not going to make a difference in anyone's life. You're probably going to do even more damage than, that, than it's already done. That's reality. And, and like I said, Satan will always put something in front of us to, to, to try to trip us. There will always be something. You can mark my words. There will always be something. When you pass one test, there will always be another test. He'll always pull, put something in front of you to, to make you miss something. To make you miss church, to make you to make you miss something that's important, and, and all of a sudden when, when you know when you have a soccer game, your uncle's birthday doesn't matter anymore. You know, if it's a Friday night, I gotta go to my uncle's birthday. But if it's you know, Saturday morning, well I got a soccer game, my uncle will understand. So let's pray. Let's just stand up, we're just gonna pray like we do this every week.